0: Kia ora everyone and welcome. My name is Caleb. I'm the youth pastor here at Windsor Park and welcome back to our buffering series. In an instant world, how do we as apprentices to Jesus live in a time of buffering? When all we want and what is hoped for is not yet. When what we are faced with, with a a storm and yet we can't see the other side of it. This is what we are tackling in this buffering series. We are reading through different scriptures to help us discover examples of finding God when life is buffering. Don't you just hate arriving home from the beach covered in sand? Some sand in your hair, in your shirt, on your skin. It just gets everywhere. I thought I had reached the peak of my frustration with sand from the beach. Then I had kids. (laughs) Now, it seems like my children's one and only goal is to try and bring the entire beach home with them. And their secondary focus is to try cover me in as much possible sand, intentionally or unintentionally. Now, I watch people without kids when they go to the beach and they just casually dust themselves off and go well that was satisfying. Ah life was much simpler back then. Today I think about the Israelites and the scene of this nation as they wait at the foot of a mountain as they have left Egypt. There is this obscene amount of sand and there is no infrastructure. There is nothing to help keep the sand out. You know what I would be thinking? I hate Sand It gets in everything, it goes everywhere. But today's passage is back in the desert. And we're going to be spending plenty of time around this. Numbers 10 and 11 is nestled into a long, difficult journey for this people, the Israelites. Here we will discover them as they are on the beginning of this journey. But let us reflect on what has led up to this point and how we've got to today's passage. The timeline that we see kind of goes a little bit something like this in my Caleb's abbreviated version. The Israelites are slaves in Egypt for approximately 430 years since Joseph enters Egypt to the Exodus. A few things happen in between all of that. And then what we find is the Israelites make their way out of Egypt to Sinai. And it takes them uh, uh, just over a month. And then as they spend some time there and and a few things go on, they build a tabernacle. Uh, What we then find out is that they just about a year later come to this passage today where they are leaving Mount Sinai. And this isn't going to be a short journey. This is one year into the 40 years that they are going to experience in the desert. The key to this today is there's there's two uh, scriptures that I think that are so paramount. Numbers 10 verses 11 to 13. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the covenant of law. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from the place to place until the cloud came to rest In the desert of Paran. They set out this first time at the Lord's command through Moses. This is only just the beginning of a long journey that is going to end differently to how many of these Israelites expected. As I reflected on the theme of buffering, I thought we're going to find some common threads through all of the series. Last week, Ethan talked about Joseph and how he focused on. God was with Joseph. God was forming Joseph's character. God was preparing Joseph for what was next. And what we see worked out in the story, again, is very similar. God was with the Israelites. Verse 12, we read, Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled to place to place until the cloud came to rest. Then we see that it talks about in verse 33 later on in the chapter about how the Lord went before them during those times and those days and when they found the place to come to rest. Immediately we notice again God is in the desert place. He is in the buffering. God was still present. God was still moving. The language is very vivid. It is so clear. He came to rest. The Lord went before. The Lord was over them. Next, we see that God is forming the character of the Israelites. Through these scriptures, it's it's, it's illustrated very clearly. God uses quail or the, the burden and the groaning of the people to develop the Israelites or to develop Moses. In addition to this, we see God developing the Israelites for what is next. But not yet. It is the promised land. The question that I ask about this whole story is where do we find God uniquely in the buffering? What is God doing? He is teaching them to wait. Chapter 11 verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardship and, and hearing of the Lord. And, and when he heard this, he was anger and it was aroused. Then the fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of camp. Verse four, the rebel with them began to crave other food, and again, the Israelites were wailing and said, "If only we had meat to eat, we remembered the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost." Also, the, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. But now, we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Our passage takes this Israelite community. And they are sitting at the bottom of a mountain in a desert having waited for uh, almost a year. They're waiting to move, waiting to begin what is going to become a very long journey. Initially, when we reflect on our timelines, we think, why are they complaining? The Israelites have had to be in this space. They have had to wait in slavery for hundreds of years. How can they still be learning something, but yet God is still teaching them something. God's not satisfied with leaving things as status quo. The word in Hebrew for wait is kava. It appears more than a hundred times in the Old Testament. More than the word salvation. This is an expectant word. It has an expectant perspective. The Israelites would need to wait. They would need to, to wait in the desert for 40 years as it turns out. They would come to the promised land and they would not be able to enter because they had not learned what God was trying to teach them. To you and me, this seems ridiculous. We can't even wait for something for five minutes, let alone having to wait 40 years. Years to step into the space that was promised to us. But that doesn't stop them from grumbling. Every time the Israelites grumble, God uses it as a teaching moment, as an opportunity to build the character of this Israelite community. What if, unlike the Israelites, we focused less on reducing the time but instead focused on what we are waiting for. Focused less on the issue at hand. For the Israelites, it was the desire to eat meat and to be back in Egypt with all the choice foods and instead focus on the promised land. It was how God would be glorified through them, His chosen people, how they would be drawn closer to Him in the process for you, for me, it may look slightly different. It may be taking our focus off our financial issues and instead focusing on the provision of God, the fact that He is our provider, the fact that He is faithful. Focusing on what is over the horizon rather than the horizon itself. See, that is hope. If you were like the Israelites, enslaved by an oppressive Egypt and your option was to stay or to go into the wilderness and wander for 40 years before dying, would you go? Now, if I change that question slightly and added an element of hope, I wonder how that would impact your response. Your options to stay under an oppressive Egyptian reign, or wander the desert for 40 years before dying in the hope that one day future generations would be able to see the promised land, that God would be honored and glorified through this process. Hope makes all the difference. Understanding Chavah waiting is important to understand another word which has the same root this word is tikva which means hope waiting and hope are closely linked hope is waiting with purpose persiv- uh, with purpose tikva looking beyond the horizon to what you cannot see, to hope in, rather than reducing that wait time to grab a hold of what is in front of us, what we can see, God would always remain faithful, no matter what the situation. But hoping for what we can't see is just a little bit more difficult. When God is moving, are we willing to follow His lead? even when that means going into a desert, going into the unknown, will we follow His lead, putting our hope in Him, putting our hope in what Jesus did on the cross? All you have to do is talk to somebody who has immigrated to understand this process of waiting, to understand uh, what has driven them to do that. Drop a comment. Tell us if you have immigrated to another country. I can't imagine how tough that process would be, what that journey looks like. I would love to hear your story. I was reading a book about a famous marathon runner named Meb. He actually writes this. It was a dream of a better future for his family that drove my father to walk 225 miles through dangerous territory to live apart from my family for almost five years until we could join him, leaving Eritrea to live in Italy. That dream continued until we could join him. He worked hard as a taxi driver, as a janitor to support us. He did not rest until all his children had education And a clear path to prosperity. The joy that he gets from this is still palpable. Meb's father hoped for what could be. But he had to wait in the meantime to pursue it. The journey was no less shorter. It was no less easier. He had to face the desert. He knew his why. What is our response to God in the desert? When God moves, do we move? When He calls us to wait, do we wait? If we knew that we wouldn't get to see the end result of what was started, would we even start it in the first place? I think of the story of Windsor Park as a classic example. There is a true story of waiting. Before this very building that I'm standing in now was built, We had to move from Murray's Bay and there was a waiting process. The Equip Mental Health Trust. I think of the waiting story in that where there was an idea birthed in a connect group and all of a sudden it is a large operation today. There is a waiting process that has to occur in that. Lotus, the connective connective nature of that story, but of also this scripture today. It's not about us as individuals doing it on our own. It was the nation of Israel waiting together in the desert, covered in sand. We are made to do life and faith together. Let's wait together. What does it look like for us to support one another as we battle through the challenges of life? Do we engage and support one another? Are we willing to plant a seed For tomorrow, together, that neither of us may ever get to see. God is already on the move. He is at work. Are we, as a community, willing to join Him? Jesus waits with us. I will wait with you. Will you wait with me? I want to finish today by listening to a song, Wait on You. The lyrics read, I know you order every step. You are the author. There's no predicting what's next. But you hold the future. I'm going to wait on you. There is a declaration in these words that we can acknowledge that we are in a waiting space. But his promise stands. He is with us. We can hope for what we cannot see. Life may be tough. Maybe you are in a desert. Wherever you are, let us stop. Let us reflect as we wait on him.
1: don't believe in fairy tales I guess I've outgrown them But that doesn't mean That I don't believe That there's something bigger than me Cause I've seen it In a hospital room When the doctor said sorry There's nothing more we can do Well it wasn't through I've never seen a Pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but I've got a promise I can hold in the middle of the struggle. God, if you said it, you'll perform it. it, may not be how I want you to, but here's what I'll do.
2: I'm Tasted your goodness. I'm trusting your promise. I'm going.
1: The future
2: and all the questions they come second to the one I know is true, yeah. Well, you've always been true, so I'm gonna.